Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. Yoga is a multitude of different movement practices and breathing. I find it to be really beneficial when it comes to easing my stress and my anxieties throughout the day. And the reality is that yoga can be very beneficial for treating conditions like sciatica, but also on the other hand, because yoga is such a wide practice of movement, there are positions that actually can irritate sciatica pain. So today I have a very special person, someone I've known for years, who is a yoga practitioner herself, and she was actually the one that made me fall in love with yoga and going through and trying to figure out who my upcoming guest would be, this guest was the first person that came to mind. So today I want to welcome Michelle Porter to this episode. Michelle, thank you so much for hopping on today's episode. How are you doing? Oh, Ashley, thank you so much for hosting me and that kind welcome and the mutual love right back to you. You are definitely the person who made me fall in love and appreciate um, the importance of pain management and the importance of therapy. So thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you. So for the listeners out there who probably have only heard your name for the first time, or even for some of your followers who know you, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what your expertise is? Um, Yeah, shoot, go for it. (laughs) Yeah, go for it. So um, if you're in uh, Jersey or if you're in uh, New York City, you might know me as a yoga instructor um, through Core Power, through Real Hot Yoga, um, Hudson River CrossFit. I, my expertise, I am a personal trainer, I'm a group fitness instructor, but yoga has been kind of my heart and soul, specifically power yoga. Um, I used to be in corporate America, I did the whole corporate thing for about six years. And I was in medical sales. And while that was all great and fun, um, my heart, I think something that we we vibe out on is the idea of like, you know, your purpose and intention on what you're doing. And I know that we both have this big calling to be able to help people, right? And help heal, train, and and all the things. So um, that's my background. I mean, I've had a lot of awesome, awesome um, experiences and successes with being able to teach at like the World Trade Center and in the middle of Times Square and, you know, um, build out some yoga programs specifically at it's um, Hudson River CrossFit too, before yoga was even a thing. I mean, when we first met, um, yoga practice wasn't so big, um, wasn't, wasn't as integrated in CrossFit as it is now. Now you pop into one of the gyms and they almost always have a yoga class on the schedule. Um, but when we first met, um, it didn't exist. You're absolutely right. I remember when we first met at Hudson River CrossFit, it's like, we just lifted and did cross and which is great. I loved every minute of it. And I remember meeting Michelle for the first time and I was like, yoga. Okay. I've done yoga before back at, back in the day. And it was just, just something that I didn't really enjoy much, but then Michelle comes in and walks us through these positions and breathing, which actually allowed us to 
they just feel a lot better, become a lot more flexible. Now you had the opportunity to transition from say the corporate world to transitioning more so into yoga and, and being able to help other people. Um, do you mind if I ask you like, what was the catalyst? What was the catalyst to have you go from man, corporate, like not to say corporate America is a bad thing. Actually, there's like, it's a good thing, but what made you uh, make that change? Yeah. Great question. So uh, what made me make the change is, I mean, I, I had the overall feeling that I was, that I, I've been a group fitness instructor since college, right? That was my very first sort. It was actually spin in like 2005. Um, out of school, I thought I had to grow up and have a, have a real job, right? A, a real job. And that's what I had done. But I always had the burning desire that my happy place is being in, in the gym. It's being in the yoga studio. Um, and I made the transition. What happened was I went out to the West Coast. So if I was out on the West Coast for a bachelorette party. We went to a core power yoga, um, yoga sculpt class, which is hot yoga with weights, right? And I walk in and I already been doing CrossFit and this tiny girl behind the desk was like, well, grab three pound and five pound dumbbells. And I'm like, chick, I use barbells. Um, I grab my dumbbells, those tiny dumbbells. I go into this hot room and it crushed me. And all I could think about was I need to teach this class in New York City. Um, the thing is core power didn't exist in New, in New York City at the time. So that was the catalyst that I got home from the weekend. I ran to my computer and I researched yoga teacher trainings um, in the New York City area. I found one that was starting in Hoboken and signed up for it. And the crazy thing is once I did that, right, I take the leap, finished my, my um, teacher training. And when I finished my teacher training, one of the lead instructors was putting together a wellness group, was going to teach in some um, luxury condo buildings in Hoboken, Hudson T building specifically, and was like, uh, we, need, we need somebody who has uh, this fitness certification, this one and this one. And I was oddly enough, the only person who did. So they were like, will you be part of our group? Because we need, you, we need somebody to teach these specific classes. I was like, yeah, sure. You know, why not? And it was from that that I started getting requests from other people to be able to do the privates one-on-one, -on -one, whether it was yoga, whether it was um, personal training. And then I realized that I could actually do fitness full-time and make a living um, instead of having to work in the corporate position that I had. So that was the catalyst. That's what made me make the change. What an amazing journey like that you took to, to get to this point. And so as I stated at the beginning, um, a lot of people see yoga as a, as a way to, to help with flexibility, relieving their stress, but it could also be really beneficial for treating conditions like sciatica pain. Um, there's a lot of information out there. You go onto Dr. Google, you're going to see the 30 best yoga positions for sciatica pain. And the reality is, is that every human being is, 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 is different. And the causes of their, of their pain is, uh, is also going to be unique to them as well. And so here you have this really big snowball, this really big entity, which is yoga practice. And I think a lot of people look at yoga as they think it's just like stretches and poses. Could you elaborate a little bit more about the practice of yoga and how it can actually help improve all the different aspects, whether it be flexibility, but ultimately how that ties in into sciatica pain relief. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, 
much to what you say, yoga is like this giant, most people don't realize that yoga at first, it's like the tip of the iceberg. And then when you like peek a little bit deeper, there's, when I say there's yoga for everybody, there is yoga for everybody. If you want to sit and learn how to, how to breathe better, that's a type of yoga. If you're looking to, um, to become stronger, like, like, like a gymnast or, um, strength training without actual weights, that's a type of yoga. If you're looking for, um, something a little bit more restorative, um, that's a type of yoga. If you're looking for holding deeper poses and, um, working into deeper stretches, that's a type of yoga. And then there's all kinds of blends. So, um, what I like to say is if you, if you're not quite certain what, if you know, you want to try yoga or that you need to try yoga, have an idea of, of what you're looking to get out of it. And specifically, um, with sciatica, typically I hear, well, I, I need to start stretching, right? I need to stretch. Um, I haven't stretched before. And there's a couple types of yoga that I would def definitely recommend for sciatica first being yin. And the second would be any type of um, like a level one um, or open level uh, flow class. And the two reasons for that um, is in a yin style class, you will hold poses that are more floor based poses um, for a longer period of time. So like two to three minutes, everything's very supported. Um, so it's a it's a great deep stretch, um, especially because like, how often are we, you know, even if you say that you stretch every day, you know, how often are you really holding a stretch for, you know, more than 30 seconds, this actually forces you, um, forces you in a kind way to be with the pose to be with the breath and to let the magic happen. Because as you know, um, the, ma the magic happens after you've been in, in the stretch, it doesn't happen in the first 30 seconds, it's the minute and a half, two minutes that you first did you start to see the benefits? And then with the power, uh, with the uh, open level or the flow classes, uh, that's a great way because, you know, it, especially if it's, if it's, if it's heated, lightly heated or non-heated, um, it's gentle movement. So you can still get a little bit of cardiovascular from it. Um, you'll go through series of poses that will likely change each class that you take but it will be a well-rounded movement, which is good for everything because um, while you might come in thinking that you have, you know, back issues or, you know, your hamstrings are tight, typically, you know, one area affects the other. So the more well-rounded our can be, you'll be anyways. You bring up two really uh, valid points. Um, Everything you said was very valid, but two things that really rung a bell in my head was one, the concept of like, there's a level of force. It's like, okay, you're put in a position where you don't really have a choice, but maintain that stretch for a long period of time. Uh, and then not to be mistaken with just trying to force yourself in a position mm -hmm. as well. Um, I, I'm a college athlete. I'm a retired college athlete, gone to CrossFit. So there's this for sure some, some, some competitive side to me, which allows me to push myself. But one thing that I've noticed as I've gotten older and as I've become a more seasoned clinician, I realize that we don't like we there for sure is a difference between putting yourself in a position where you have no choice, which is like no choice, but go through whatever position or you're going through and you're going to be successful versus trying to force something that's going to lead to being unsuccessful. And one of the things that I really liked about taking your class 
and working with you. And I know that yoga teachers and say this a lot, but you just really said it the way that really struck with me was that it's not a competition um, from a from a yoga perspective. And that was probably the biggest mindset shift that um, that happened to me that allowed me to really enjoy yoga a lot more. It's like taking that competitive aspect and I don't have to force it. And what ends up happening is that if I'm not forcing myself uh, beyond my capability, um, I have less stress. I'm more flexible. My body feels so much better. So my question for you from like a forced competition standpoint, do you mind if I ask like, what, what is that like non-competitive nature of, of yoga? Like, where did that all come from? Was it like, yeah, yeah. Where did that come from? (laughs) Such a great question, especially when you think about like, you know, athletic backgrounds and it's like, we're trained to and conditioned to compete with each other. Right. And it can be so easy to walk into um, a yoga studio, look around and see all these people being able to have these incredible ranges of motion and being like, okay, I'm going to make myself do that. And for me, when I did my yoga teacher training, I was the least flexible person in, in my uh, group, right? By far the least one. In fact, to the point that whenever we, went, we were demoing the poses and we were learning the poses in this um, 200 hour training, they'd take turns going around, but I was always the body that they would call up because they'd be like, okay, let's see it how on like flexible people. And then let's see it on Michelle. And for me, that ended up being a sweet spot. When you ask about like the non-competitiveness is that I was, I was strong for a yogi and I was flexible for um, an athlete or a CrossFitter, right? So by, by yoga standards, I was, I was not very flexible, but by, um, and by CrossFit standards, I was not very strong, but if you reversed it, you know, I was, I was kind of at the top of both of those. Um, but it was for me, developing that non-competitiveness was being able to realize that, you know, it's, it's okay to be where you are at. If you put in the practice that it will continue, you'll continue to develop because as we say in yoga, it is a journey, right? That's why we call it a practice. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, when when you take away that competitive nature to it and instead you look at, okay, what's the best that I have in me today? And sometimes the best is the most supported version of of the stretch. Like you said, um, you know, you're going to feel better. Your body's not going to feel destroyed. Your joints will be safe for all these great things. So yeah, I appreciate that non-competitive aspect because I think one of the things in previous episodes I've talked about is one of the major things that makes us human is the is is the the high levels of brain function that we have that separates us from other animals. And because of that, it allows us to actually really override a lot of these cues that we would get when we're tired and we're exhausted. And being able to override all those natural sensations that you feel, uh, it allows us humans to actually push human performance, uh, human innovation, because we can really get over that hump. But we end up having to be on one side of the spectrum where we're super competitive and that super competitive nature where we're just trying to push ourselves harder every single day can actually lead to more exhaustion, uh, a higher incidence of injury. And then even in some cases, if you're going to a stretch way too far, you can in fact overstretch muscles and joints, which could actually facilitate some pain. Um, and so 
Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's, that's like that. I consider yoga as kind of like my break from a lot of the other things that I do from a competitive nature in the rest of my life throughout the day. So I'm very appreciative of that. The second point that you brought up, which I thought was really, really interesting was a combination of like, you have yin yoga, which is more of like a static stretch. You said you're holding it for like two to three minutes. And then you have more of like uh, a flow yoga, which is actually getting me more of like controlled movement. And there's really significant benefits um, to both. And so when it comes to like someone who's looking at say yin yoga to help themselves with say uh, like flexibility, like what would be some qualities or characteristics that would actually drive someone to doing something more of like a yin style yoga where they're doing those longer static stretches? Like what, like what, uh, what are those characteristics? Sure. So I intentionally threw yin out there first because I feel like that's one of the classes that if you go to any studio and you ask about yin or you walk in, it's going to have the smallest number of attendants, but it's because it's like, it's like a, it's a hidden treasure. It's a hidden ge uh, gem. Um, the characteristics of somebody who typically shows up for yin knows what they're looking for. And if you are listening to this and you're not sure what you're looking for, or if you're, if you don't know what your yin is, um, as mentioned, you know, it's a static stretch. You're holding these poses for a longer time, but if you really truly need to stretch, if you really truly, um, want to work on, um, your hamstring mobility or your quadriceps, um, or if you have um, back issues and you need to be able to, um, for lack of better words, loosen everything up, yin is what, sh is, is what you want. Um, I'd say that the qualities and characteristics for a teacher that will make the class enjoyable is pick somebody who has a strong anatomy background because as you're holding these poses for two to three minutes, you're holding these poses. Like you enter the pose, you are in it. And it's important that whomever is guiding you through um, is knowledgeable and can talk about the little um, nuances as to if you breathe a little bit deeper here, if you twist in a certain way, and that you're able to learn about your own anatomy while you're in the pose. Um, that's going to make the class way more enjoyable than if you show up and, and unfortunately, if your instructor um, does not have uh, that advanced of a background, um, it may be tougher to hold the poses because it could be boring, if that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. Um, in the physical therapy world, we have two types of stretches that are often incorporated into a rehab program or an exercise program. We have static stretching, which is very similar to like holding those poses for a long period of time. And then we have um, dynamic stretching, which is going to be a little bit more like flow related. And usually I recommend people go through more of those static stretches when their body is just the, the, the adjective I like to use when it comes to doing static stretches is like, if your body is just rigid, like if you like sit in your chair all day and you don't get up, like your body is going to be tight because it hasn't moved. And so doing these static stretches allows you to break past those barriers. Um, and then also, I think one of the things that we haven't necessarily talked about yet, but the concept of breathing. And being able to get into these end range positions and breathing, allowing the nervous system to acclimate, allowing the muscles to acclimate um, for all these new positions. And so, yeah, if you're rigid, if you're just like literally rigid, if you had to look at and you can't lift your arm overhead because you are literally just the stiffest, um, 
then then yin yoga or static stretching might actually be really beneficial um, for you listeners out there. Um, with the caveat um, from a physical therapy standpoint, static stretching, the, one of the reasons on why static stretching is so beneficial and why it actually does say improve flexibility, which is range of motion, is that it actually taps into our mechanoreceptors, which are these small receptors in our muscles, where if you apply a stretch for a long period of time, those muscles will say, okay, fine, I'm not going to contract and I'm going to lengthen and give you that range of motion. Mm -hmm. um, so these static stretches are really great in improving flexibility, but I would suggest, and Michelle would probably agree as well, that you probably wouldn't want to do a yin yoga class where you're stretching out all these positions and then go right into say a CrossFit class or even to run because your body's just going to be nice, like pretty nice and loosey goosey, uh, which is a good thing. But if you try to like do something super active, that's a lot to ask on a body that just got released. Um, oh, uh, thousand sorry, percent, thousand percent. And I just have to hop in and say, this is one of those like moments where it's like, do as I say, not as I do. I actually did that one year um, for Murph. Of all workouts, Ashley, it was, it was Murph. I did one of those deep stretch classes, showed up. I did CrossFit Wad Murph and I tore a hamstring. So don't do it. Like it, it, you take a yin class, enjoy it afterwards, like relax. Don't go and do anything intense afterwards, especially Im Im immediately afterwards. Which then brings us, um, well, one, I didn't know that you tore a hamstring during Murph. That's, that is a bummer when we can actually have an entirely other conversation about injuries during that. I'll tell you that workout is my favorite though. So I, I, I really feel yeah. for you with that, but let's talk about the other end of the stretching spectrum, which is going to be the dynamic stretching or what in yoga would be considered flow and flow. You're going from position to position, um, in the physical therapy world, when clients are working with me, they'll see stretches or positions that are dictated as flossing. And flossing is really putting a joint into tension and out of tension. Um, with yoga, you're moving from one position to the other. So you're having this consistent controlled motion that is going to be putting people at their limit or slightly beyond the limit of uh, their ranges of motion. And I usually find Oh, wait, did we talk about Michelle, like where people, oh, let's talk about the, the dynamic stretching. I totally skipped over, but Michelle, if someone were to go more of that, like level one, open level flow, uh, I'm going to let you describe like what people, like the characteristics of like the people who would benefit from that. And then I'll talk about it from like a PT standpoint and, and how that kind of ties in. Yeah. Um, so, so the dynamic stretches of, uh, Couple characteristics. I'd say there's probably three big profiles that would do really, really well in, in um, that kind of open level or level one flow. First, being somebody who's antsy and has a hard time staying still, right? Because if you're if you have a hard time staying still and um, just the idea of sticking into a static stretch for two to three minutes, and because um, you need to be able to enjoy it to an extent to want to show up again and keep coming back. So if you find yourself having a hard time staying still try the flow class first um, and you can work your way into the, the yin class, the deeper class. Um, the second profile would be somebody who um, has, I'd say like decent mobility, um, but is working on um, deepening. And the thing with the, with the flow is that it's repetition. So you can go in a little bit deeper each round because it's typically rounds of, of sequence of 
sequences of poses and you start off holding it a little bit um, longer and then you move through it a little bit faster, um, one breath per movement. So each round you can go a little bit deeper. So it, it's, it's like wading from the shallow end slightly into the deeper pool. So for somebody who has decent mobility and then the third group of people um, I see that do really, really well here um, are athletes. And again, the reason for this, and, and I should say athletes can also benefit from um, the in-classes as well. But the great thing with uh, flow class for like the athletes is it also can kind of um, supplement and or replace another workout that you would have on, on your schedule. So if you're somebody who really enjoys working out and you're like, okay, I know I need to stretch too. I know I'll see the benefits of it. If you go to a flow class, level one, level two, you can totally use it as like an active rest day or maybe like a light workout day. Um, so if you're athletic, you would probably enjoy that for uh, that type of yoga class much better. I love those archetypes of just like these three major categories where it's like, if you fit this profile, this might actually be really beneficial for you. I think, um, I know for me that, that helps out perfectly, but then ultimately- um, because there are so many different options of types of yoga and interesting classes in general, I think it often gets confused on what class they should take. And like, they might take like a power class and they're not ready. And all of a sudden they, they go and they have a poor experience because they just weren't sure how, what to expect. And then they leave this, 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 uh, studio and they're like, man, yoga was terrible. Like, I don't ever want to try it again. And so to be able to create these archetypes and being able to say, like, if you're more of an antsy person, you'd, you'd be, uh, you'd benefit from more of like a flow a little bit more. Um, it's, uh, it's really great. And ultimately, um, for you listeners out there, if you are antsy, um, a little anxious, um, you're also probably um, having very short and shallow breaths. And if you have very short and shallow breaths, you're in this perpetual cycle of anxiety because when you're breathing like that, it actually elevates your heart rate, elevates your stress hormones, and then it's going to facilitate even more antsiness. And when you do something like a yoga flow, it controls your breath. It slows down your breathing. All of a sudden, you're going to start to notice that your anxieties are going to go away. And there's actually a, a very big tie between uh, high levels of anxiety and high levels of pain, specifically sciatica. Because when you're anxious and you are on high alert, you're also very alert to all the pain that you're feeling. So when you're doing something, even if it's a yin yoga or a flow yoga with this type of breathing, it's actually going to downregulate your nervous system. It's going to calm you down a little bit and make you a little less sensitive to your pain. So you can go about your day doing the things that you love. Um, and then for, for those folks, like the, the, the people who are like have relative decent mobility, but they want to get a little bit deeper into those ranges of motion. I love the implementation of flow type of yoga, because as you said before, you can kind of like go into the edge and then back off kind of slowly wading in. I like to think about it as like, there was this, uh, one of my favorite cartoons is watching Bugs Bunny. And there's this one scene where Bugs Bunny is like in this area and um, pretty much there was like this boiling cauldron. And the people who were born in the cauldron actually meant to actually cook Bugs Bunny, but Bugs Bunny actually thought it was actually just a hot tub. So he would literally just go tiptoe into it and he ended up just chilling out. I mean, 
it's a children's show. So he ended up not getting eaten, but being able to ease into these ranges of motion is going to be um, really, uh, really, really beneficial through that. And then athletes, I a hundred percent agree with you when it comes to implementation of uh, adding it for, for an athletic standpoint, because if you're a CrossFit athlete, if you're a lifter, if you're someone who likes to do high intensity cardio, if you end up doing too much too soon and you're not giving yourself an opportunity to recover, then that's actually where the risk of injury getting hurt um, can be, be a huge factor, can be a huge risk. So when you add something like a flow yoga, you can get that type of workout type of feeling without really beating your body down. And then as a result, you can recover, feel great, and you can push yourself harder the next day at your next crossfit session or whatever session that you are going to be doing. So I love those archetypes, Michelle. It was really, really great. And um, before I talk even more uh, about this, I mean, I think one of the biggest things is that um, from your perspective as a yoga professional with all the experience that you have and the people that you work with, um, what are some words of wisdom or advice or even some action steps uh, aside from like picking the yoga class um, that people could take who have sciatica and they're like, well, I have sciatica pain. I know that I need to take a couple classes. Um, but what, what, what are some things that they can do right now that can just make the transition or anything just a little bit easier for them? Great question. I'm so glad that you asked this. Um, from all the experience, first things first is make sure that you're working with, with a, um, with a pain management professional. Um, if, if you come in because you think you have sciatica or you went to Dr. Google or, um, you talk to somebody and, and they said, oh, yeah, well, that's probably sciatica. Make sure that you've been assessed by a professional first. Um, and then after you have a treatment plan and you've discussed with your um, with your um, pain management consultant, your treatment plan, bring that information into the studio. Um, if you're coming in to take a yoga class at that point and you understand and, and you understand what the root causes are of the sciatica that you have and you've been recommended certain types of um, stretching to, to do from your consultant, then if you come to yoga, show up half an hour early, that way you have a chance to meet the teacher, talk to the front desk, and we can listen to what your treatment plan is, be prepared for the class so that you have a better experience. Um, the other thing too is, you know, you might show up and, you know, all studios, all teachers are different, if you show up and, and you have time before the class, you'll be able to um, have a conversation and assess, it, are you signed up to take the right style class that's going to help you, that's going to fit with your treatment plan? Um, and do you have the right teacher for it? Because just because somebody's a certified yoga instructor doesn't mean that they have the toolkit and the experience to be able to um, implement the implement the pain management plan that you've been given by your professional. And I say that because as a yoga professional, um, we're not able to diagnose or give you a treatment plan. That's, that's why there's, there's somebody else who, who can do it. And, and they'll, they'll, they'll get you to where you need to be. But what we can do is we can work, um, we can work with them, right? Kind of like an, an extra layer, but your main layer, and if there's any action step, I would be to make sure that you see a professional, that you see a pain management consultant to assess you first to make sure that all the other uh, smaller parts and pieces fall into place accordingly. So it seems like communication is really important through this because of the fact that um, 
the reality listeners is unfortunately, if you're a medical professional, you might not necessarily have the time to speak with the people on the ground floor, such as people like Michelle, like putting all this stuff into place. And so being able to communicate what you can do, what you cannot do, what you're allowed to do is actually going to allow you to be more active, get moving. And we find that research is actually supporting the fact that just staying active actually reduces your levels of pain, but it's not a one-sided journey. You have to communicate with your medical professional, with your yoga instructor, with whatever person you're working with from an activity standpoint. So they are on the same page when it comes to doing exactly what you need so you can feel better. Um, now, Michelle, I think that prior to um, us on this episode today, um, I think you said that you had a couple questions for me about like yoga and, or, or just like the sciatica piece and how that can tie into to people who follow you from a yoga perspective. So uh, I'm going to open up my ears, but they're open already, but I'm going <laughs> to let you ask me a bunch of questions. I'm happy to answer them for you. Oh, amazing. Thank you, Ashley. So I think that the first thing would be, you know, is, is from your perspective, what would you say to somebody who's a yoga enthusiast who takes a bunch of classes, right? They show up, they, they love the sweat, they love the movement, they're stretching, they're going. Um, yeah, they have um, pain, but they're not, they think they can stretch through it. What would you recommend to them? Oh, that's a really great question. I'm so glad you asked. So, um, if you're someone who attends yoga regularly and you like to get the sweat and you notice that you do experience some pain, perhaps sciatica pain or anything, um, one of the first things that you can do is um, to stop yoga. I'm just kidding. That actually doing yoga is going to be something that's going to allow you to have that movement practice. I think it's probably one of the safest and most controlled out of uh, many different things. And so ultimately, if you are experiencing those pains, my biggest recommendation is to not stretch through the pain. Now, there is a caveat, though. When you are going to stretches towards end range, it's okay to feel discomfort as in it's an uncomfortable stretch. You know you're stretching out the muscle. If you are in a position and it's actually causing pain, now, pain itself is actually an indicator that there is something, it doesn't mean that's necessarily something wrong, but something needs to be changed. And ultimately, when you experience that pain, when you're in a specific position, that's your body's signal saying that you should back off a little bit. So my biggest recommendation is uh, for now, avoiding or modifying those positions that actually produce the, the pain for you, uh, modify or eliminate so that you don't experience that and do that for a couple of days. Just give your body a break from that specific position so that your nervous system can kind of calm down a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised that you are probably in this position for a long period of time or been doing it over and over again. And the thing about movement and the human body is the fact that the human body loves novelty. And if you do one thing over and over and over again, the brain's going to get tired. The body's going to want something completely different. And that pain is going to be a signal saying, hey, I need you to change things up for me. Oh, love that. And it's almost like you knew what, what, what question number two was because you, you already set the table for it. But would you be able to touch a little bit on the difference? This is a big thing I get asked a lot. Um, the difference between... Um, pain, like actual pain, and something being like a good challenge or like just outside of the comfort zone and like what that might feel like in somebody's body. 
This is great. I, I often, when I, when I owned my gym and I was teaching people how to foam roll, how to stretch as well, because they too would spend hours and hours and hours sitting. Um, the, the big thing is, is the following pain is going to be indicating, oh man, I think something is wrong. So um, what I would say is if you're new to yoga or you're trying out a new position, you are for sure going to feel awkward and it's not going to feel comfortable and you are going to be struggling. And that struggle where you're just trying to hold that position because of balance or hold that position because your joints wouldn't allow you to, that is actually something that probably should be okay from a pushing standpoint, like maintain those positions. If you ever get to that point where in your head is saying, oh, this feels wrong. If, if you, if at any point where it just says, this feels wrong, if it says this feels wrong versus this feels awkward, this feels awkward. That's pretty much okay. That's like a yellow light type of situation. If it's, this feels wrong. I think there's something wrong going on. That is a red light situation. That's where you need to reevaluate and say, okay, I need to change things up. Love that. Love that. And it's, it's super helpful. It's super helpful. And I hope everyone who's listening, listens very close to that because that's such a common question that, that I get in classes and I'm sure that you did in the gym all the time too is, well, this hurts or I feel pain. And it's like, well, is, is it pain or is it discomfort because this is the new sensation in the body? Yeah. And so looking at this listeners, and I think this is one of another really great thing that I love about yoga is the concept of just looking within yourself, um, being able, like when you're in yoga, like you shouldn't have to like yoga itself with the um, asanas and the pranas, like the breathing and the positions, like that's what you should all be focusing on when you're in the class. And this is same thing goes when you're working out. Like if you go to the gym, it's your escape from the real world, all of your real world's problems, but it doesn't mean that you turn your brain off. Um, in fact, it's the, quite the opposite. You have to turn your brain on and focus on exactly what you're doing. So you can get all those necessary feedback pieces that you might've been ignoring throughout the entire day because of the fact you were managing life's problems and challenges outside the gym. And with something like yoga, allowing you to be really in touch with what you're feeling, that is actually going to help dictate whether or not you should push or back off for that specific day. And again, it kind of stems off of that non-competitive nature. If you can just focus on yourself and identify what you're experiencing, you yourself can actually regulate how you're feeling and the outcome. You can actually be put in control, even if you have someone like Michelle or even me, like Michelle on the yoga perspective, for me in the rehab perspective, we have the knowledge to help you move. But the person who's actually moving is yourself. And it's all up to you on whether or not you're going to follow what we say, but then also ensuring that you know exactly how you're feeling and that you're able to share your experiences with the person you're working with so they can provide the necessary tools and action steps based off of that. Um, and then uh, one last thing, Michelle, for your, for the, the, the big yoga practitioners, I often get a lot of times it's like, oh, like is like a downward facing dog position better than an upward facing dog for sciatica pain? Um, my biggest recommendation for people when they're trying to figure out what the best positions are, is I say, um, I just say, find the position that actually provides you the most relief, release, 
and makes you just feel great. If you're getting to a position and it just feels terrible, life is too short to put yourself through terrible things. And if you're going to a position that is terrible, my biggest recommendation is again, modify or avoid that, those positions. Wholeheartedly agree, wholeheartedly agree. And um, I like the word options rather than modifications because the thing is, is that there are so many different options for any particular pose. Um, but know your own body. And this is where you can take accountability for your own body and um, the professional, um, the pain management professional that you work with. Because just because you show up to a class and you might tell the teacher, like um, the instructor, that, oh, I have, you know, um, back pain or maybe I have a herniated disc. And they might tell you avoid this pose, that pose, and the other. It might be correct. However, it might not because they don't, they're not able to do the actual assessment on you to be able to determine how your disc is, is, is herniated or ruptured or what angle is going to aggravate. So that's where it's important for you to know your own body because, you know, you say downward facing dog, it might feel amazing in your body. It might feel terrible in somebody else's that has the same diagnosis as you. Um, but it's, it's just going to depend on what your personal anatomy is and, you know, where you at, where you are at in your game with your, um, with your treatment plan. Listen to your body folks. So here's the thing. Um, it might sound really simple, but it truly is simple because it works. Listen to your body, focus on the things that actually make your body feel great and avoid and add different options for positions and things that actually cause pain um, to your body. Not to, again, not to be mistaken with discomfort because we can push past discomfort and be awesome pushing past pushing past pain as tongue twister, pushing past pain uh, is an entirely different story. So Michelle, thank you so much for your time. I'm so happy to see you and thank you so much for sharing. Um, I foresee that I'll have you again on another episode to talk more about yoga and everything. But if someone who is listening right now, is like, man, that Michelle knows a lot about her stuff. I want to start working with her. At least I want to talk with her. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? You are too kind. Um, if you're looking for me, you can get in touch with me at in info at michelleporterfit.com. You can also visit michelleporterfit.com and find me there. Um, or right through Ashley, I'm going direct to direct you right through Ashley and then find me that way as well too. But I would absolutely love to be back to talk with you again. Awesome. Uh, for you listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, ultimately, my job as a pain management consultant with my background in physical therapy is to get you out of pain as quickly as possible so you can get back into working with amazing professionals with Michelle, which is why I have developed the sciatica protocol, which is right now a direct text management way for you to bring your sciatica pain down. All you need to do to check it out is send us an email at info at ifixyoursciatica.com and subject heading text protocol, and we'll send you some more info. Thanks a lot, Michelle. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.